championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, your Lakers just picked up a big win against the San Antonio Spurs, 114-106. to Much needed coming out of that game against the Wolves just a few nights ago. The Lakers do pick up a nice win against the Spurs. Look, they made it interesting down the stretch. At one point, the Spurs cut the lead to two, but the Lakers did respond. Massive performance from Anthony Davis. We had the return of Taylor Horton Tucker, a big change to the starting lineup. lot to break down tonight. Joining me is Matt, the optimist Peralta. Matt, we know there just wasn't enough optimism in the air for you last game against the Wolves, so happy to have you on here for a win. Yeah, no, I'm good to be back. Um, kind of glad I wasn't there for the T Wolves <laughs> game because that one was a that was a frustrating one. But tonight, to, well, I keep saying tonight, but it was a matinee game, Trevor. So this afternoon was a good win for the Lakers. Um, obviously, it was good to see THT back in the lineup. Um, I'm excited to talk about the uh, the starting lineup change, Trevor. What well, about let, you? Let's begin there then. So the big news coming into this game. Well, first of all, we heard THT last night. We heard that he was probable to play in this one. And then we found out that not only was he playing, but he was going to start THT into the starting lineup alongside a new look, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. Then you also threw in Avery Bradley and Carmelo Anthony, making what I believe was his first start of the season as well. So you had both Carmelo Anthony and THT added to the starting five for the Lakers, two guys who didn't get any minutes tonight. Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan. Kent Bazemore started last game. DeAndre Jordan has started a number of games for the Lakers this season. Matt, what's your just overall take on on this change to the starting five, and is this something that sticks? I think after a win like this afternoon, I think it's going to stick for the foreseeable future. Obviously, there's going to be some changes when LeBron James comes back mm-hmm. into the lineup. I believe Frank Vogel said pregame that once LeBron's back, Melo goes right back it to might the be bench. Tomorrow. But we could... And that might be tomorrow, exactly, against the Chicago Bulls. So we could be looking at a lineup of Russ, AD, LeBron, Taylor Horton, Tucker, and maybe Avery Bradley. Not really too sure, but I thought it was interesting that Kent Bazemore was a healthy scratch tonight. Yeah, I did too. And, and, you know, we can chalk that up to rest, but Bazemore, frankly, hasn't been that good lately. He's been struggling on both ends of the floor. His shot, obviously, has not been falling. And then defensively, I feel like he's been a bit lost. So this was kind of warranted. I'm not that concerned about it long-term. Like, I've seen people out there on Twitter saying, oh, well, now they can use Kent Bazemore's spot for somebody on the buyout market. Like, assuming that now that he's just out of the lineup, that he's just, he's gone. He doesn't exist anymore. That's not the way this works. And I talked about this a little bit on the pregame show we saw last season. Uh, where KCP went through cold streaks, right? I mean, KCP, that's what he did his entire time with the Lakers. He went through hot streaks and cold streaks. Sometimes his cold streaks would last months. That was a thing. Wesley Matthews, Markeith Morris, they were out of the rotation at points last season and then came back in. Kent Bazemore is not like dead and buried just because he didn't play in this game. But I did think that if if we're basing minutes on merit, Kent Bazemore had been struggling lately. And so to me, it made sense that he didn't get the minutes tonight or this afternoon. No, it makes complete sense. I'm going exactly to right. keep, keep doing that. I keep saying tonight, too. I, I'm going to do it, too. But I think the interesting thing here is that Bazemore is already the odd man out yeah. with THT returning to the lineup. Now I'm even more curious once you get Austin Reeves back in healthy, Kendrick Nunn back in healthy. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where Frank Vogel is going to squeeze Ken Bazemore minutes now. Because if he's already out with the Lakers only having, I believe, 11 or 12 active players, I, I just see... I'm not sure where his role is. Especially when Trevor Ariza yeah. comes back, too. Because... 
I think your starting lineup at that point, you know, if I'm if I'm projecting a little bit forward, would be Russ, THT, Ariza, LeBron, AD. Does that sound right to you, Trevor? Or what yeah, do you think? that's that's probably about right. And um, you know, I talked about this on our last show, but the rumor was what what I had heard was that uh, Bazemore's st- stint in the starting lineup was supposed to end a few games ago. In fact, it was supposed to end against the Miami Heat. But then Austin Reeves got right. hurt, and that changed that equation, and he was able to stay in there. So I'm not surprised by this. I do think it will be a rough go. But look, Bazemore, he can still be a, a help on the defensive end of the floor. He's just got to show the right. ability to do something on offense, and he's got to be a little bit smarter on defense. But again, he's not hes not dead and buried. This is a guy who can still come back into the rotation at some point. We know injuries are going to continue to happen. But if everybody is healthy... Right now, if I had to pick a wing slash guard player that would be the odd man out, I think the obvious pick is Bazemore. I think so, too. I think that, you know, since the Lakers are so thin at the the small forward position, it's really only credibly THT, Trevor mm-hmm. Ariza, and, and, you know, Ken Bazemore. Obviously, LeBron can slide up to three if they need him to defensively, but they're probably going to keep him at that four spot. So, Really, the 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 minutes crunch is going to be really interesting to watch when everyone's healthy. Frank Vogel's got a pretty uh, decent problem oh, yeah. on his hands as far as who's going to play each and every night. Because let's face it, too, Wayne Ellington's been good since he's mm-hmm. returned from his uh, hamstring injury. Malik Monk is obviously a microwave scorer that can come in and give the sh- the team a shot in the arm whenever yep. they need it. Uh, I think THT spot's pretty entrenched. And then if Kendrick Nunn comes back and plays well too, it's it's just it gets it gets a little convoluted as far as who plays and who doesn't. I think DeAndre Jordan and Rajon Rondo are going to be mm-hmm. the odd men out most nights. They're going to get the veteran DMPs. I don't think that's a question at this point. But I don't know, Trevor. It's going to be. I don't know if we're going to see you know Frank Vogel nailing rotation anytime but soon. But this is kind of this is what we've been been saying for weeks now too with DeAndre Jordan. I don't think. And again, you know, Frank Vogel hasn't confirmed this, but based on what he said and based on what my general feeling was around the team. I don't think the plan was ever for DeAndre Jordan to start. I think the plan was for Anthony Davis to start at center and DeAndre Jordan be more of a break glass in case of emergency big off the bench. And then when THT and Ariza got injured, the Lakers made the switch and said, okay, well, we no longer have the wings to really capitalize on having Anthony Davis at the five. And so then they went ahead and made that that shift. They didn't want to bring Dwight out of that bench role because they like him there. They like him bringing in energy uh, in the second unit. And so they just went to DeAndre Jordan kind of by default. I think moving forward, you're right. I think he's going to be more of a every few games you see him type player. And the same thing with Rajon Rondo, who is flat out said that was his role. That's what he was brought in to do. He talked about that way back on media day that he knew coming in, he was not going to be an every night player if everybody's healthy. Right, I think so. And I think it's been encouraging to see, you know, Frank Vogel go to AD at the five, even with all three bigs healthy, him, Dwight, and DeAndre. So I think you do have a point. I think this is, you know, more or less what we're going to see is more Anthony Davis at the five, which coming into the season, they said they were going to do. So to actually see it in action, that's encouraging to see. And then, you know, as far as DeAndre and Rondo are concerned, you know, that still leaves the Lakers with 13 credible rotation players once everyone's healthy. So again, like I said, like I think that's going to be the most interesting storyline to watch midseason is, you know, where does Frank Vogel turn to? How does his rotation look? Because when you get to the playoffs, you're only playing like, you know, eight, nine guys at most. So, you know, through the regular season, that's great. You know, having that much depth to get you through those games to eat innings, as I like to call it. But when you get to the playoffs, I wonder what his, you know, his closing lineup or his closing rotation is going to look like. Well, I do think it was interesting that he went ahead and closed with Taylor Horton Tucker in this one. And, you know, last we had heard THT had played one-on-one and two-on-two in practice. And then the Lakers didn't have a practice. And Frank Vogel talked about wanting him to get into five-on-five situations. Clearly, THT, whatever they saw of him, 
was number one, good enough for them to be confident that he was healthy and he was ready to go. Uh, cardio wise, all of that ready to roll. And number two, he was also good enough in what they saw from him that they went, yeah, this dude's a starter. And then today, I think we kind of saw why. I mean, Taylor Horton Tucker, 7 for 14 shooting, 17 points and 4 rebounds in 27 minutes in his first game of the season. And there were a number of plays that broke down. The Lakers offense didn't have it going. The ball found its way into Taylor Horton Tucker's hands, and he made something happen out of nothing. I was very impressed with his debut tonight. Uh, you can quibble over one for five from three, perhaps a few defensive mistakes. There was the little turnover at the end where he lost his balance. But other than that, I thought this was a stellar debut for THD. Oh, absolutely. I think this is, you know, roughly the mold or the the type of player that we wanted to see THT become right after the offseason that he talked about. You know, he was he's by far, I think, the Lakers biggest X factor as far as how well this team can do, because he's the he is the fourth highest player on the team. So obviously they trust him enough to, you know, give him mm -hmm. that much money and to give him an expanded role. I thought it was interesting that Vogel went right to him in the starting lineup. I thought that he would bring him off the bench, get him acclimated a little bit. But, you know, giving him a full workload, basically 27 minutes to uh, this afternoon uh, speaks to how well he's probably looked in practice in those one on one and two on two situations. But, you know, against the Spurs, I thought it was an interesting look, too, because um, I think inserting THT in the starting lineup gives them yet another ball handler who can create his own shot, break down his defenders and get into yeah. the paint. I, it seems like the Lakers are really doubling down or tripling down at this point on we're going to score in the painted area and we're going to play inside out. Um, and that's exactly what happened today. Um, the Lakers, you know, played through Anthony Davis and THT and Russ getting into the paint and then opening up, uh, you know, shots for their outside shooters. Uh, and Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, et cetera, all did really well in knocking down those looks. And lo and behold, the Lakers came out with the win. So I think that's kind of the formula that we've been wanting to see. I I'm expecting THT to stick in the starting lineup. But Frank Vogel just now in his uh, postgame presser. Uh, said that regardless of what the Lakers do, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, which Frank Vogel, this is the way he plays things. He just he doesn't want to tell you who's going to be starting moving yep. forward. He doesn't want to just say, oh yeah, he's starting. Uh, but he also said, we invested in him this summer for a reason. We believe in that young man. And I think it's pretty clear that the Lakers indeed do that. Um, all right. Let's talk about the 360 award for tonight. So between Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, I know this is a tough one. Who was the best star on the floor for the Lakers? I'm ready for it, chat. Go ahead, hit it with us. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, what are your thoughts? Who is it that is the 360 award? There it is. My screen is filling up with two letters, A-D. I'm assuming that's your pick, Matt. Oh. Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, there's really no ands, ifs, mm -hmm. or buts about it. When Anthony Davis scores 34 points to go along with 15 rebounds and six assists, um, kind of the only answer here. Uh, you know, not to say that Russell Westbrook played poorly by any stretch. Uh, you know, 14 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists for Russ. Uh, pretty stellar or pretty solid uh, afternoon. Uh, seven yeah. turnovers, but somehow still a plus 11. That's true. Turnover. That's pretty impressive mm -hmm. if you really think about it. Um, but no, this is Anthony Davis. This is um, Anthony Davis called out the team after their last loss. Yep. Um, you know, you did a video about it. I'm sure you talked about it on last uh, the last game's post game show. But AD was very visibly frustrated and upset with how the team looked. So I think it was good to see him take this game like onto his shoulders and say, you know what? I'm the star. LeBron's out. I've got to lead the team here. I've got to set the tone early. And that's exactly what he did. He, you know, played to his strengths, dominated the painted area. The Spurs were missing Jakob Pertl, so they had Drew Eubanks on AD. Uh, that's food yeah. uh, every day of the week. So, 
you know, I'm glad that AD decided to to, you know, dominate the game in ways that we know he can dominate. You know, defensively, I thought he was great as well. You know, he racked up two steals in one block, but was a force yep. in the painted area. Cleaned up a lot of mistakes, especially when the Lakers guards got beat. So this was a this was a great Anthony Davis game. And I, I don't know if um we've talked about it a little bit, but he's having a really solid season despite the Lakers losing. Um, I think it's flying under the radar because of the losses, but AD's been a very, very solid guy throughout the first 14 games or so I've for the Lakers. I've seen a lot of fans of other teams asking the question, is Anthony Davis truly a superstar? Is he truly a guy that you consider My a superstar? Is he even a top 10 player in this league? And I thought tonight was just such a great response to that. And that, and Matt, that was indeed the question that I was asking on the last post-game show. Uh, or no, on a, we did a video on this yesterday. We talked about how... Anthony Davis had, he called out the Lakers. Uh, we talked about this with editor extraordinaire Daniel Starkand. And AD had some very, very pointed comments. He pulled no punches. He was very clear. I mean, he flat out said, we sucked. That's his words. He said, we sucked. And I said, but the, the thing is, we've done this before with the Lakers, where they've said everything you want them to say, and then they don't back that up with their play on the floor. Anthony Davis just backed up his words with his play on the floor. He put it on himself. To go out there and get the job done. Yes, you can say the Spurs were without Yaka Pirtle. 100%. That's a factor. That helped Anthony Davis get some easier buckets. But still, 15 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 34 points on 14 of 24 shooting. And 2 of 3 from 3. We've been concerned about his 3-point shooting. And he just shot 66% from 3 tonight. 67%. That's fantastic. 4 of 5 from the line. He was dominant in this one. In a game where... The team was terrible the game before. They really needed to come out and make a statement and show what they're all about. Anthony Davis, their star, stepped up, and that was just fantastic to see. Yeah, this was the AD that we needed to see, especially coming off a loss like that. And hopefully, you know, I know he seems to wax and wane throughout the mm -hmm. regular season, but hopefully going forward that he maintains this level of play for most of it. Um, this is what makes the Lakers special is when Anthony Davis is doing Anthony Davis things. Uh, you know, LeBron's going to be a constant. And I know Russell Westbrook is still, you know, kind of like the thing we're trying yes. to figure out what kind of Russ we're going to get on a night to night basis. So uh, when we get a decent Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis is playing this well, it's going to be hard to beat the Lakers regardless, especially once everyone's healthy. So great performance from AD tonight. Very encouraging to see. And hopefully he's able to follow that up with uh, another uh, performance like this tomorrow uh, night. Mamba mentality from YouTube threw an AD with the Kobe putback dunks. Yeah, the, the one where yes. he kind of got stuck. And so he just threw the shot up and missed it on purpose so he could get the rebound and dunk it. That was that was pretty like we don't see that oh, much. Kind of improvisation from Anthony Davis typically in his game. You don't see a lot of that. And so it was really cool in that moment to see him not only try something like that, but pull it off. Very nice stuff. And I think it's fun too, because you don't see big yes. guys do that very often. We've seen guards and forwards do it, but we never see a big guy like AD do it. So I thought that was a nice little treat for the fans at Staples Center today. Uh, Mamba Mentality also threw in THT the closer, which we, we already discussed a little bit. Uh, yo, from YouTube said THT, Rondo, LeBron, Nunn, and even Monk can initiate offense and do things that Russ is known to do along with not turning the ball over. So a lot of fans, and I saw this a lot on Twitter, people were very frustrated with Russell Westbrook in this one because of the turnovers. And we saw another loud turnover in the fourth quarter that came at a very, very bad time. Um, is there a point where, and I feel like fans are thinking this way, where Russell Westbrook's turnovers become so egregious that the positives that he brings simply aren't worth it. And you're better off going with a guy who isn't as dynamic as Westbrook, but just isn't going to cough up the ball. Uh, the short answer is no. 
Um, I don't really think that there's ever going to be a time where Frank Vogel looks at Russ and say, hey, man, you're turning the ball over way too many times. I can't have you out there. Uh, I, I need to put someone else in. Um, I do think, you know, there will be spurts or moments where he might sit Russ for a couple minutes, but I don't think you're going to outright turn away from Russell Westbrook. You traded for him for a reason. Uh, he is your third star. LeBron James is still currently out, and we're not too sure exactly when LeBron yeah. will be back, hopefully tomorrow, but most likely just sometime this week at least. So I don't think you're going to see, you know, Vogel do that. Obviously, you know, the comment does have a good point. There are more initiators yes. on this team than we originally anticipated, particularly Malik Monk, who's been very surprising with the ball the in his hands. That's been the a pleasant pick and roll. He, he, he he's been runs good. That very, he's got, uh, there's some guys who can pass, but just don't have a great feel for the pick and roll. Malik Monk has the feel for it. He understands the spacing of it and the timing and all that better than I expected. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's been good to see. I just don't think, you know, again, that as far as when you bring Russell Westbrook in, you're going to have to adapt your uh -huh. play style a little bit. And I think that, you know, you're you're, you're going to not be utilizing Russ to the best of his abilities if you don't have the ball in his hands for most of the game, if not half of it, When especially when LeBron James is back, you know. I think they're going to be splitting most of the ball handling duties between the two of them, obviously. So uh, to answer the question, I don't think you're going to see them turn away from Russ. If anything, I think they're going to let him play through it and, and get mm -hmm. through his mistakes as, you know, Russ still does good things on the floor. It's just when he does bad things, they're incredibly loud and very yeah. noticeable to the casual eye. So I, I understand why fans are frustrated with that. But again, like this is the guy you traded for and you're going to be leaning on him. And they're going to need him, quite frankly, to be good to, for them to win at the highest levels this year. So that's just it. That's that's where I'm I at was that. making that yeah. point on our on the pregame show. I did a pregame show today because of the news that THT was starting and the starting lineup was changing. There was so much to talk about. So we did a pregame show today. And I talked about that because a lot of people were asking about Westbrook. And I said that long-term, by long-term, I mean this, still this season, but by the end of the season, you need Russell Westbrook clicking with LeBron James, clicking with Anthony Davis, if you're going to get to the top of that mountain. So you're not going to just bench him right now. I did think this, this game, he was really good rebounding 11 rebounds, and you need him doing that. If you're going to play Anthony Davis at the center which is going to help give you a better version of Russell Westbrook, ideally, because it's going to open up the paint a little bit, you need him helping out crashing the boards because that's something that you're giving up if you're not running an extra big out there. So Westbrook, I thought he did a nice job there. Three of five from three. I think there actually is a little bit of a secret behind Westbrook. That's not a secret. It's an easy stat to find. But Westbrook, the straight on three, that's his shot. Yeah. That's if you go look at his stat chart, uh, shot chart from the last, from this year, from last year, it's very clear that he can knock down that shot. It's the 45-degree angle shot that he's not great at. He can hit the, the corners, which are closer yep. threes. The angle shot, no, that's just do not shoot that. But the straight-on three, he's actually not bad at, to the point where if you could just limit him to shooting only that shot, if he's going to shoot a three, he would actually be pretty decent. Yeah, no, I mean... When he's especially when he's ex when he's wide open without a defender within like ten feet of him, by all means take yeah. those ones. Um, but I want to talk about the rebounding uh -huh. point that you made because um, I've talked about this a little bit before. Obviously, THT coming back alleviates this a little bit, but outside of THT, the Lakers guards are not very physical by nature at all. Uh, Wayne Ellington, mm -hmm. Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Avery Bradley. These are guys that are, you know, not really going to scrap in the paint and fight for rebounds like Russ will. He's so athletic, so physical, so strong for a point guard that, like what you said, if the Lakers are going to downsize and go small, they're going to need everyone to crash the boards. And I think Russ is going to be a big part of that. And, you know, that's also a twofold thing because if Russ grabs the rebound, he's able to mm -hmm. push and go and get the Lakers in the early offense where. You know, they can get a shot way earlier in the shot clock without the defense is set because, as we've seen already, the Lakers struggle in half court offenses when defenses are set. 
So I do like it when Russ crashes the boards, 11 rebounds today. That's really great. I think that's kind of also going to be another thing that Russ does that is going to help this team win going yeah. forward. Yep. Agreed. Um, I did think that Taylor Horton Tucker being in in the fourth quarter to to handle the basketball helped too. Like, because then, right. then it's not... Like, Westbrook is probably going to be the primary creator, but having a secondary creator that can do stuff, that makes Westbrook be a little bit more selective, right? If he's got other guys out there with him, he doesn't have to force something that's not there quite so much. And we did see him force a little bit in the fourth, but I think long-term... Having a guy like THT, having LeBron back, that's going to help you get a better version of Russell Westbrook as well because he do, he can be a little bit more picky in terms of when he attacks, when he tries to create. He doesn't have to force quite as much. Yeah, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the the, the closing lineup had AD, Mello, Russ, THT, and Malik Monk. Is that correct? Uh, I think Wayne Ellington was in there for a for first Wayne Ellington, stretch. okay. I do like the I like the lineups where you get those three guys that I just mentioned, Russ, THT, yeah. and Malik Monk, because you have more guys that can pump and go or get into the lane and create and move the ball some more. Uh, instead of, you know, having AD and, and Russ as the only guys that can create their own shots surrounded by three shooters, I think that first lineup gives them a little bit more dynamic, dynamicism with the ball. Um, you know, get defenses scrambling a little bit more, have guys that can create their own mm -hmm. shot or play make for others. I think that gives more versatility and more options within the Lakers offense. So that's another interesting look. And I think, you know, sub in Monk for LeBron and you've got LeBron, THT and Russ instead, yep. you know, that makes for a lot of different combinations and that will make defenses have to choose, you know, who, who do I go? Who do we scramble to? Where's our help coming from, et cetera. So that's going to be an interesting look once LeBron's back. All too. right, let's get into the next man up award. So which of the, the other Lakers, not Anthony Davis, not Russell Westbrook, chat, let us know. From YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, fire it off. Let us know who was the next man up from tonight's game. And I like it. You know, the last few games, it's been very clear. Like it's been Carmelo Anthony went nuts in one game, right? We, we've had a very clear performer that was the guy to really step up. And tonight, I think we've actually got a few. There I go again. This afternoon, I think we've got a few players who could get this. So, Matt, let's go to you. The chat is firing off. I'm seeing, wow, I'm seeing a lot of three letters popping up. Who's your guy, though? <laughs> Uh, I feel like I got to agree with the chat here. You know, before I say it, though, I think it's interesting that or not interesting, but I think it's funny that Melo has been so good that a 15 and five day when he goes two for three from the three point line is a pretty like, you know, hum, um, hum -ho day right, for yeah. him. I did. I did feel like it was uh, I a, did that. Like I was thinking this in the fourth quarter. I'm like Carmelo Anthony has had a quiet night. He finished with 15 points, but it was it was kind of a quiet 15. Yeah, it's because, you know, they had other guys uh -huh. step up today. That's like what you said. We've got multiple options here. Um, okay, so I originally was going to go with Wayne Ellington because I uh -huh. think 5 of 7 from beyond the arc is pretty fantastic. That gravity is very important to the Lakers' offense to keep it humming. But I think the chat's right. I think it is THT. I thought he was a massive boost to this team. Obviously, starting in the starting lineup, coming off an injury where you haven't played yet, um, I would have expected him to look a lot rustier True. than he did. Honestly, it looks like he... he fit right in looks like he didn't really miss too much time if at all uh 17 points four rebounds a dime assist and a block you know getting into the stat sheet doing a lot of things uh well defensively you know i, I thought he had some pretty small i thought he had some yes. pretty good moments on ball um that that's very encouraging to see because again the lakers are a little more undersized this year so he's gonna have to guard twos and threes i think given that he has the the necessary stature and wingspan to do that um, and then obviously his his ball handling, his ability to get into the paint, finish at the rim. He had that tough finish in the fourth quarter um, over a set defense, which I thought was really mm -hmm. impressive as well. So I think today was a THT day, and um, I hope this continues. You know, 
Taylor Horton Tucker was a plus 14 team high on the day. And one of the things I was watching was the defense because both Frank Vogel and Rob Palenka made a point before the injury to say THT was going to be their guy, their guy that was going to be their defensive stopper on the perimeter. And I think you're right. I think he did well. I think that there were moments where his length really helped out. And then, of course, the offensive end, he made a big difference there. So I'm fully on board with that pick. But I do want to give a little bit of love to somebody else here. And that is Wayne Ellington. Uh, Malik Monks is an honorable mention in this one as well. But Wayne Ellington, the reason why I go with him is not just the efficiency from behind the arc, which was fantastic in this one. He was five for seven from deep for 15 points. Can't argue with that. But I also, it's standing out to me, his lock and trail defense. It's kind of KCP-esque. And that's not to say he's on the same level as a defender as KCP. He is not the athlete that Contavious Caldwell-Pope is. Like, KCP is just fast. The dude is fast. And Ellington is not necessarily that. But he's very smart, and he reads things well. And I was concerned going into the season about Ellington being such a negative on the defensive end of the floor that he was going to get lit up, and that would eliminate his floor spacing because you weren't going to be able to keep him out there. And we saw some of that in preseason. But so far, regular season play, he's been doing a nice job. When teams are trying to run him off of screens, he's staying attached to his man, and that's making a difference in the way the play is unfolding for the Lakers. So defensively, I've seen some positives, and then with that kind of shot making, that's what you need. We saw this in the third quarter. So I I put this out, out there on Twitter at halftime, that what the Spurs were likely going to do is given how many points that Anthony Davis was scoring in pick-and-roll situations and the ball getting back to AD, they were going to commit more players to crashing in the middle and breaking that up and not let AD just go berserk. I said the counter to that is you've got to make make the outside shots that they're going to start giving up. And Frank Vogel very smartly changed his lineup after a few minutes in the third and he put in Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington to shoot and they came in and they knocked down those shots and they did a nice job relocating and finding space there. So I thought it was a smart move by Frank Vogel to go to the shooters to counter what the Spurs were doing. Indeed, Anthony Davis only had two points in the third quarter after having 27 in the first half. But Wayne Ellington was a big part of the Lakers outside shooting, the floor spacing, and then defensively, I thought that he had a solid performance as well. So that's a long roundabout way of saying Wayne Ellington gets my next man up award. Yeah, I don't have much to add other than I think Wayne Ellington's a very smart basketball player. You brought up the lock and trail technique, which is, you know, the Lakers are going to need that when they face against, Mm -hmm. you know, players of that caliber. They're going to need a lock and trail guy. So if Wayne Ellington can do that, you know, at a decent clip, that's awesome. But I think what I love watching Wayne the most is that he's not just a spot up shooter. You can run him off screens and pins. He can rise up really quickly and get that shot off. But you can also tell that when a ball handler on the weak, on the strong side of the floor needs an outlet, he's able to relocate and find open space and get open for those threes. Um, I said this last game, but Wayne Ellington's going to look so good when LeBron James is back on the floor because how oftentimes do you see a defense shade yeah. over LeBron's side or load up on that side, leaving the cross-court pass open? Wayne's going to be able to relocate and get those looks, and I think he's going to be able to, to make defenses pay, and that's going to, again, work in the Lakers' favor going yeah. forward. So great pick, and I think Wayne's going to be... I think Wayne has a legit role on this team going forward. You know, and Malik Monk was was very good in this one. There was the one play where it was like he didn't know the clock and he turned to start to dribble the ball oh, back yeah. out and then everybody started screaming. Like the whole the whole building started screaming because there's there were like two seconds and he just turned and shot it and buried the deep three like like it was nothing. Like, oh, okay, well, cool. I'll just I'll just bury this shot then if I don't have any time left. Uh, and then the one play where he drove baseline and he went up with uh, the left and then he switched. I believe he switched to the right 
and flipped the ball up and in. I have no idea how he scored from that angle and managed to do that in midair and get the ball up over the defender. That was incredibly impressive. He's been really good the last few games as well. And if you're Kent Bazemore, who, by the way, Frank Vogel just said, Bazemore will still be a big part of what we do. You're looking at the situation and thinking, well, Monk is making plays, right? Ellington is making plays right now. Austin Reeves was probably in line to start to take Bazemore's starting job as it was, and the Lakers were uh, were relying on him a lot and clearly trusted in him. And Frank Vogel's got a great problem because where those minutes come from for Bazemore moving forward, it's going to take somebody else dropping off or somebody getting hurt, I think, for him to really get back in the mix. Yep, like what I alluded yeah. to earlier. It's it's one of those things where Frank Vogel is just going to have to kind of... It's like almost playing whack-a-mole depending on what game you're playing with or who you're playing against. Like, do I need more defense? Like, is this guy cold from the yep. field tonight? Do I need to sub in someone else? Like, you know, we, we kind of joked about, you know, if the Lakers needed more defense on the perimeter, you just throw in Avery Badly. Um, I think it's kind of going to be the same case with Kent Bazemore where, okay, this other team's got more wings that we don't... We, we're too undersized for. We got to get some more size out there. So then I think in those situations, you'll see more Bazemore, but... Uh, if Wayne Ellington and Monk and THT and when Austin Reeves come back and, you know, all the rest of the guards come back and everyone's playing well, I think you might see him as the odd man out for a yeah. little bit. Yep. Agreed. Um, okay. Let me get it back into the chat here and get some of the questions and comments coming in from all of you. <laughs> I've got people trying to come up with, Ru with Russell Westbrook trades. In fact, I got a super chat a little bit ago, uh, uh mm -hmm. saying West trade Westbrook for Ben Simmons. Have you seen what the 76ers are asking for in a trade? It's not Russell Westbrook. And Westbrook would not do anything to fix. Like, they're trying to fix the problems that they had with Ben Simmons in terms of not being a great shooter from outside. You're not going to fix that with Russell Westbrook, and you're getting a guy who's a worse defender. So they're not they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that trade. Um, trading Russell Westbrook, period, logistically, is so difficult to do because of his, his contract. You never say never in the NBA, but 99% it's not happening. It's just, it's not. Even if even if another team wanted to, trying to stack up enough contracts to make a trade work is really difficult. And then you have to get past the, are the Lakers getting back something they want? Do the Lakers even want to make that move? Is LeBron okay with it? Is Anthony Davis okay with it? I know the knee-jerk reaction when fans see a turnover that they don't like, that's, that's very loud. They go, oh, trade him. For what? You, you can't trade him for anything. You've got to figure out a way to make it work with him on the roster. My God, I, I don't know how many times we're going to get this throughout <laughs> the regular season, but there are just not many Russell Westbrook trades you can make that both teams will, one, agree to, and two, that even Is work. Is he the most polarizing um, Laker? Ever? No, no, or I mean like this, this season. Year, I mean, right now. Oh, absolutely. Because, the, because there's also the Russell Westbrook stands. Which is a thing, and He's is and it's weird, player. but it's a thing, and it feels like we either get people who just love Russell Westbrook, right, who are who just love him and think that he's a star, and the Lakers aren't using him right, and all this stuff, and then you've got this other group that just completely hates him and wants him gone, and there's not a lot in between. Right. It feels like, yeah, you know. It, that that's just kind of the way it is with Russell Westbrook. He's a very polarizing player by nature. You know, um, some people love him, some people hate him, some people likes how like how you know aggressive and emotional and passionate he is about the game, and otherwise, and you know, on the flip side, people just don't like that he doesn't seem to value the basketball a lot, or he makes boneheaded mm -hmm. decisions from game to game, and you know all these things. But to answer your question, he is by far the most polarizing player. Uh, maybe not in on the Lakers, but maybe just uh, in the NBA at this point, because um, you know you've got factions who love him and factions who hate him like you said um, but going back to the trade thing um, 
I I have a hard time trying to figure out what trade is out there that satisfies every team. And that's just from a logistic yeah. standpoint. Optically, it's going to look so bad if the Lakers decide to off Russell Westbrook, uh, get off of Russell Westbrook's contract and the player uh, before the season's even yeah. done. Uh they wouldn't do that. You know how you know how Los Angeles values superstars mm-hmm. and talent. Um, so whether you like it or not, Russell Westbrook is going to be on the team throughout the remainder of the season and probably yep. next year. So they just got to learn to work with it. Somebody said Westbrook or John Wall. Oh goodness, Westbrook. Um, and I will here's take Westbrook. a comment to kind of sum up the Westbrook conversation. The Jamie from YouTube said Russ does great things and then he does horrible things, so it cancels out. He's been that way his entire entire career. He never slows down, which isn't good. Um, yeah, that's the challenge is you'll see him do something well, but we also, that we've talked about this, the things that he does poorly are the mistakes he makes. They're loud mistakes. There's mistakes that, that really stand out and they tend to kind of poison our, our opinion of Russell Westbrook, where even if he does something good, even if he does three good things, he does something bad. That's really bad. And it kind of erases the good things that he did. That's correct. Um, just that's, I, that's going to be the case the entire year. That's not changing. You no, know, this has been Russ almost his entire career, if not the entirety of his career. Uh, that's not going to change now that he's on the Lakers playing next to LeBron and AD. You know, they've empowered him to be uh-huh. himself. Uh, and you know, whether or not you like that, that's just how it's going to be. So I, I get it. You know, there are a lot of frustrating things about Russ that annoy me too. But at the end of the day, like this is the team that they have. And this is the team that you're, they're just going to have to figure out again. Like I, I know this is an excuse and this is going to sound like an excuse, but it's still relatively early in the season and they still haven't had a full mm-hmm. roster. Again, I am going to wait and reserve judgment on the Russell Westbrook experiment until I've seen, you know, enough games with everyone back to say, okay, I think this works or this doesn't I've work. I've got a, a hypothetical trade coming in from uh, Brian Sones. Uh, said, would you trade THT and Kendrick Nunn for Eric Gordon? No. No, I would would hang up the phone on Houston and block that number. Wait, sorry, Eric Gordon? Yeah, Eric Gordon. Oh, I thought... No, Eric Gordon Gordon from the Rockets. Uh, I I heard Aaron Gordon, and that one was a little more interesting. Yeah, no, I would definitely not do that. Not Eric, no. he's. If anything, he's closer to a buyout candidate than a trade candidate, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah, the Rockets are hoping someone offers something for him, something decent. You know, speaking of buyout candidates that are way uh-huh. too early, um, I would like to keep eyes on Gary Harris and Terrence Ross from yes, Orlando. Please. Yeah, uh, another one just yeah. just to make me feel a little bit better. Cut him loose, Kings. Let Damian free Damian <laughs> Jones. Come on, Sacramento. Free Damian. Free Damian Jones. Jones. <laughs> Somebody said, "My goodness!" With a super chat, someone said, "God forbid a Russ injury," but I think it would help. Oh, oh man. come on, guys. That's no. not it. Let's not go there. All right. Uh, we do need to get into the master lock of the night. So, chat, let us know what you think. Who should be or what should be from this game put into the master lock? Fire it off. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, if you're not familiar with this segment, the way it works is we take whatever it is that was particularly annoying from this game and we put it in Chris Masters' master lock. Sometimes it's a Lakers player. Sometimes it's an opponent. Uh, like we saw, what was it last season? Dylan Brooks got master locked like every single time the Lakers played the Grizzlies. Patrick Beverly gets master locked uh, fairly often. Kawhi Leonard gets Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is an auto master lock for Matt the Optimist. So, chat, let us know who gets put in the master lock for you. But, Matt, let's let's go to you first. As the chat is firing off some of their their comments. 
Um, you know, I don't really have anything that's like that sticks out to me personally. I think if I had to just pick one, though, it'd probably be yep. Drew Eubanks uh, with the little scuffle with THT. Um, you know, you look at the play, it looks like he took some exception to the wrap-up foul that THT, THT put on him. Um, and then afterwards, THT seemed, looked to give him like the hand to the he face. Did. Um, I don't know if you've seen that still shot, but it's it's pretty funny. And I it was, it was a throwback. He, he gave him the talk to the hand. Yeah, he, he sure did. Um, so, you know, Drew Eubanks took exception to that. But, you know, I thought the funniest thing about that whole thing was that he took exception to it. But I think it seemed to energize the Lakers because right down the other way, like immediately the next possession, THC took him off the dribble and hit a jumper over him. I thought that was hilarious. And then you saw Anthony Davis basically abuse him mm -hmm. for most of the afternoon. So, uh, you know, I guess this is just rubbing salt in the wound. But I think I got to go Drew Eubanks for the master. Yeah, I'm seeing some people are saying Westbrook's turnovers. But again, this was a win. I'm going to stay positive. And I'll say Eubanks. And I think, I think it was very obvious that the Lakers, as soon as that happened, the Lakers just started putting putting Eubanks in pick and roll every single time and going right after him, which, I mean, isn't a bad offensive plan anyway, but it was pretty clear that they had a little something extra for him after that moment. And uh, and so, yeah, Eubanks gets the, the master lock, I believe, for tonight. Yep, nope, no arguments here. Uh, somebody said master lock Anthony Davis for getting away with a crime. You mean what he did to, to Eubanks all night long? Just, just <laughs> dominant? Just, just Assault beat and him battery. Yep. all night. That was fantastic to see a aggressive Anthony Davis. All right, um, I've still got more people asking for trades. We're ways out from that. Well, throw throw them out, out. I mean, out well, I mean, not a specific what? trade. Just saying, people just saying we need to make a trade. So I guess let, let's talk about the the mechanics of this. December 15th sure. is when a lot of the NBA becomes trade eligible. There's anybody who signed a contract last year, the earliest that they will be eligible to be traded is December 15th. So like Westbrook doesn't fall under this category because the Lakers traded for him. So he's still on his old contract, but I don't know. Let's say you want to trade. Let's say you want to trade THT. Can't do it till at least right. that date. Some guys it's even later. It's into January. It depends on when they signed and stuff like that. But uh, you want to trade Ellington. You want to trade Monk. You can't trade any of those guys until at least December 15th. So a lot of trades can't happen in the NBA right now. That's part of why Ben Simmons is still sitting in Philadelphia because looking around the league, there's a lot of guys that maybe the 76ers would be interested in, but they can't be traded yet according to the collective bargaining agreement. So that's a factor too. You can't just say trade this guy when we haven't passed that date yet. They like, if you wanted, if you wanted Malik Monk off the Lakers for some reason, for some unknown reason, they can't do it. The only thing they could do would be to cut them. That's it. They can't trade them. So I think important to keep in mind. You know, you know, let's talk about the other mechanic about this, about yeah. trading anyone on this Lakers roster is that you've only got really five tradable uh, contract. Well, I don't even know if you want to call them tradable, but you could really realistically only move off of LeBron, AD, Russ, THT, and Kendrick Nunn, given that they're making more than the veterans minimum uh -huh. this season. Um, so, you know, going back to that trade earlier of Eric Gordon for THT and Kendrick Nunn, I believe that's only 15 million compared to, I like, forget what Aaron, like Eric Gordon's making up the top end. Right. So, I mean, I don't think the Lakers can even do that unless they threw in some more salary. To make yeah, it easy, and, right? and even if it's close enough, the Lakers are over the cap. So that extra 3 million, they're actually they're in the luxury tax. That extra 3 million would be a lot. It would be way more than, than just paying 3 million more to get him. If it's, if that's what it is, that's off the top of my head on Gordon's salary. 
Yeah, so I mean, again, if you want to avoid that and make the and make the money even, you'd have to throw in two of those minimum contract guys to get even close to 18 million. So you know, me like mechanically speaking or procedurally speaking, there's just not a lot of avenues for a trade for the Lakers. Um, you know, you could you could trade you know Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington for for nothing really, uh, for like a future second round pick or something, and that way you clear up a roster spot. But then at that point, you're only doing that if there's a guy on the buyout market that you really want, or you just cut Avery Bradley who's on a non guarantee right. contract. So again. And there's no there's no real options as far as trades for the Lakers go this season. This is essentially their roster, um, and you know that's not a bad thing. That it's this is not a well, bad roster. And they can but. they can make some small moves. Like they could make a trade. It would just be something more minor. It's not like they're in a position. It'd be very yeah. Minuscule. It's not like yeah. they're in position to make like a, a big move. Like if you if you made a trade, Trevor, right now, like what would you be looking for? Uh, Besides well, Damian Jones, besides Damian Jones, it would be it would be a wing with some size, a guy who could float between the three and the four. That's that's right. What I'd be looking so for. I mean, you, but that's you tell me what guys right. available for the contract the Lakers have. It, exactly, will, like me and everybody else around the NBA is looking for that guy, right? So that's not an easy thing to find. Um, okay, let's get into a few more questions and comments, then we'll we'll call it an evening. Actually, you know what, Matt? One of the new segments that we've been doing or, or we've been talking about is our favorite moment from the night. So right. do you have one, not to put you on the spot or anything, but do you have a, a favorite moment from tonight's game? You know what's funny is that since I knew I was going to be on the show today, I made sure to keep track of which moments I liked <laughs> You've got a today's list. game. Um, it's, obviously, it's, it's obviously AD yeah. off the backboard. Like. That's sweet. I I think I think one of the 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 fun joys I still have watching basketball, or not still, but like that I love about basketball, so like passionately, is when big guys do guard stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like like go coast to you know coast I mean? or dribble like, behind the back or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like you know, again, like I've referenced this before, but one of my favorite Laker plays ever is Powell running the break down the middle of the floor and then finding you know a streaking uh, Lamar for a dunk. That, that that's awesome. Um. So. When 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 big guys do things that you expect guards to do, I think that's that's awesome. And so seeing AD throw it off the backboard to himself, like all of Kobe Bryant or T Mac, whatever, like that that's sweet. So that was my moment for the afternoon. I like it. Um, I'm gonna give mine in just a second here. Somebody asked Trevor, will you be doing more videos on the NBA front office show to help us learn more about the technical business side of things? Yeah, 100%. There's more videos coming. We didn't do one the last couple of days because Keith has been under the weather, so he's been just barely making it through the Celtics games he had to cover. But he has not been feeling great, so we're um, so we'll be back in action. I believe tomorrow we'll put out some more videos and stuff on that type of thing. Uh, my favorite moment, I think just to put out a different moment, I do agree that the ED off the backboard one was probably it, but Carmelo Anthony's three in the fourth quarter in crunch time, the Lakers come out, the oh, Lakers great, yeah. were up two, and they come out of a timeout, and I think THT got a bucket for them at the end of the shot clock. THT attacks the basket. Right. They get a stop, and then they come down. So now they're up four. They come down, and they hit Melo, and he buries a three to put him up seven and kind of that pretty much put the game away at that moment. And I thought that was big, not just because it just about guaranteed that the Lakers were going to get the win, but also for Carmelo Anthony, who we've seen a few times late in the fourth quarter, miss a three pointer to say, tie the game. We saw him do that. We saw him get the five second violation uh, in another game where he just, just didn't keep a good track as he's trying to inbounds the ball. And as a veteran, you wouldn't expect that. So to see him come up big, he's been so great for the Lakers all season, but to hit that big shot, I thought that was a nice moment for Carmelo Anthony. That's a good one. And I think I had an honorable mention was the Avery Bradley balk on, I believe, Keldon Johnson, yes. I think in the first quarter. 
uh, came up on the weak side, rotated over, met Johnson at the rim, stuffed him completely. So, and no, again, uh, the inverse is also true, right? When you see uh, big guys doing guard stuff, when you see guards yes. doing big guy stuff, that's also Josh fun. Hart uh, defending bigs in the post. That type of, Josh that? Hart is an immovable guy. Uh, you know, this is a deep, deep cut, but uh, David West talked about how he knew he needed to retire when yes. he couldn't move Josh Hart off Josh the block. Josh Hart retired David West. That was that was epic. He was uh, the catalyst. Yo yep. from YouTube said, Siku is literally in our system and right under our noses. LOL. NBA experience in young legs. Don't think Vogel would do that, though. So Siku Dubois, like, yes, in theory, 6'8", he fits the physical profile of what you'd be looking for on the wing. But if the Lakers aren't using him, it's, it's for a reason. He's, there's something going on that's just right. not quite clicking yet with him. I think there will be opportunities for him. And if he can play, he'll get in there because the Lakers do need a player his size that can do things. But something's just not quite there at this point for the Lakers not to turn to him right now. I think it's important for fans to realize that guys are available for reasons. Um, you know, Seko Dumboya obviously has draft capital. He was a first-round pick, spent some time in Detroit, and has shown flashes. But, you know, once you get traded to a team, and then you get cut, and then you're picked up on a two-way contract, mm -hmm. you know, this is kind of the league's way of saying that, you know, we think you have talent, and we think there's some upside there, but you're not quite ready to play games just yet. Um, if the Lakers, if this was the Lakers of old, where they're not a championship contender, or at least not trying to play for a championship, and they're a rebuilding team, then you obviously yes. see we'll see more Seko Dumbuya type of minutes. But given where the team's at right now, uh, I don't think you're going to see them unless you're, they're getting blown out or they're blowing out teams. That's, that's just kind of the reality this season. So I don't expect to see him much. Garbage time year. minutes at this point. Exactly. Um. Yep. Somebody said, let me see. There was a, a comment here. Oh, somebody asked for an update on Trevor Ariza and another update on Kendrick Nunn. So let's finish up with that. So Ariza was ruled out for about eight weeks. The Lakers, it, it was released that he would be reevaluated in about eight weeks. And that was roughly five and a half weeks ago. I just checked on this. So he still has a few more weeks until he actually gets reevaluated. And I think we need to caution that the reevaluation date does not mean return date. That just means they're going to go check. Right. They're going to do scans again. They're going to see how he's healing and then go from there. And even if he gets the all clear, he's got to return to practice. And I talked about this on the pregame show, the injury to the ankle, that's very different than what THT dealt with, right? Taylor Horton Tucker has a thumb injury and he can still keep his cardio up, right? He can still run. He can yep. still do cuts. He can still do all that kind of stuff because it's just his hand that's hurt. Ariza can't. Ariza's got to get his legs back under him again. So that's going to take some time. And so I wouldn't expect to see him anytime soon. As far as Kendrick Nunn goes, I think his reevaluation was supposed to have already happened. And it is a little bit weird that we haven't heard anything yet. But the latest we heard from Frank Vogel was that he wasn't close to coming back at this point. Like he's not even considering him as a guy that's going to be in the lineup anytime soon. But obviously, like he said something similar with THT. So things can, can change quickly there. Yeah, I believe the term was yeah. ways away still. Um, so that's a little concerning given that I think the initial timeline for a bone bruise was two to three weeks and then they'll see where he's at. Um, if Frank Vogel's saying that, then it obviously means he's not, he's not anywhere close to back. So I wouldn't expect him until, you know, I would guess like till the end of this year, like at the latest and by end of the year, yes, I mean December, right. um, I, I would expect something around then for, for Kendrick Nunn to return, hopefully. And then same thing for Trevor Ariza. If, if that puts him at about five and a half to six weeks, that means, you know, at the end of this month, we should get another update as far as where he's at. And then I also would not expect him until like late December, maybe at the yeah. earliest. 
that's where they're at. But, um, you know, hopefully Kendrick Nunn can get back out there because I think that does change the rotation and gives them that much more firepower coming off the bench for the Lakers. Can't wait to see that. Yeah. All right. Uh, somebody asked how bad was the Ariza injury. I mean, it was bad enough to require ankle surgery in order to go in there and clean things up. It's not terrible. Like right. an eight-week injury when you're having surgery is not awful, 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 but bad enough to where he needed surgery. All right, guys. I think we'll wrap things up there. Appreciate you guys coming in. Somebody, Oh, Alex Ode said, uh, love, love from Canada. Really enjoyed the early game for once. Normally I have to stay up around 2 a.m. to finish the post-game shows. Keep it up. Uh, really helps with my anxiety. The community uh, does. Well, Alex, glad we can do that. I know we try to be a place where everybody can come and vent a little bit after a bad Lakers loss. After last game, people got to come in and vent their frustration a little bit and then hopefully leave feeling better. And we get to talk through things and celebrate a win together as well. So that's kind of what this community is all about. And glad to hear that it is indeed helping you. And as much as we complain about, oh, the Lakers, it's such a bummer that they're playing an early game. They don't play well in those games and all this kind of stuff. It is nice to get an earlier game in for not just for our fans on the other side of the country, for fans in other countries as well, international fans, depending on where you are. For some fans, this is the first Lakers game of the season that wasn't taking place in the middle of the night. So cool for uh, for them to be able to experience that and good on the NBA for doing that. I know specifically the NBA planned games like this to try to give international fans an opportunity to see games live rather than have to record them. Yeah, you know, the early games are cool. Uh, it's a nice matinee game for us, um, you know, especially when there's no Sunday football going after the season's over. That's going to be fun to have basketball mm -hmm. and actually watch during the day instead of, you know, to fill that sports void, right? Um, so anyone out there, for the international fans out there, thank you from the bottom yep. of our hearts. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, this might seem like work to everyone else, but to us, it's fun to have everyone come into the chat and, you know, give us their comments and feedback about the game, regardless of whether or not the trades that they want to throw out work yes. or not. But, you know, without being said... Uh, it's fun to have fans here for the shows. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, you know, thanks for tuning Absolutely. in, guys. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and ring the notification bell. And uh, thanks, everybody. Till next time. See you and stay safe.